ladies. Like, I'm gonna say what I said. You look like a lamb that just jumped over that fence there. <laughs> no, listen, I'll I wanna be in outside in a meadow jumping a fence, not scared of fucking <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I, I totally agree with you. I can I could not agree with you more. Um how you got how are y'all doing? Uh Kendall, I know you just got some groceries delivered. I did. I got some Rona groceries delivered. Yes. Um it took a week. My mom my mom oh for a while. My, I went ham. My mom hit me up last week saying she was feeling generous and she wanted to buy me some groceries. So I really went for it. I love that. <laughs> yes. I love yeah. that. You I would, hope it's you a would month's think worth. that the Duggar family lives in my apartment. <laughs> but. The delivery guy was like, it's just you? <laughs> yeah. He's like, why, are you, why am I delivering a keg of beer right now? <laughs> <laughs> well I'm so glad we're able to do another episode of the hoops talk I gotta say like the fact that we're all healthy for the most part and we are keeping our shit together and trying to crank out these episodes for sure I'm really happy and also the fact that people are still interested in joining us yeah to mm-hmm. talk on our you know, podcasts. I mean, it's kind of like a safe space for me in a lot of ways. <laughs> I agree. And yeah. stability, because it's like, oh, it's been a week. <laughs> right? <laughs> for real. Wednesday, I got to upload the video. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like our tasks, like it reminds me. I'm like, oh, okay, today's that day and I got to do this day. Um, so it, it, you're, to your point, Karen, it's really, it's so true keeping it, keeping that together. Um, how, how else is everyone doing? You doing okay, Karen? You're up there in the uh, San Francisco. Yeah, in the Bay Area. It's Bay nice area. and sunny today. We had some shitty weather, which I heard you guys had some rain all week last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But people are, they're turning nuts on each other. And I'm like, can we turn nuts on the president? We don't need to do that to each other. We might like, I was at the post office in the parking lot. It was nuts. People were honking at me, getting crazy, trying to cut uh, SUV, trying to cut in between me and a parked car. I was like, "What? What oh, is the rush?" God. Seriously, what is the rush? Yeah, where do you gotta be? Where you gonna run back home? Sit on your sofa? Yeah. I mean, I get rushing in the post office and be like, "I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here," and then drop it off and then run out. But in the you're in the comfort of your car. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, has so, everybody bought masks? By the way, have you guys oh, all bought masks? I have some cute ones. Oh, yeah, we bought some just like regular black masks. We don't have like any. Oh, smart. Oh, Kendall got her packet of masks. Yeah, I went Etsy on all the designs. Yes. Nice. I'm just going to color on mine. Oh, I like that. I like that. I'm gonna write. Throw some hoopstocks away from me. (laughs) Did you you see that woman that bought, um, she bought a face mask with little uh, penises. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you can see the penises, you're You're too close. (laughs) Yeah. Those are so smart. I feel like that's my life motto. If I can see penis, I'm too close. (laughs) It's a good motto. (laughs) That's, I think, my life motto. (laughs) Yep. 
<laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go into some our normal house cleaning updates. Unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about, let's just roll into this. Um, roll on in. Roll on in. Again, thanks for listening to the Hoops Talk. Um, please subscribe or like and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. I, I listen to one on Overcast FM. I know some people like Pandora were there as well. iHeartRadio, um, anywhere, you know, we're RSS. So please check us out. You can also, um, see our episodes on, um, YouTube because we have a YouTube channel now. So we're putting them out there. Subscribe. You get alerts for every new episode. And Karen was ju- jumped into the chat. So she was chatting with some people in there and she was live tweeting as well. That's Wednesdays. You know, we're trying, we're trying all different things. Yes. Um, so get in there. We're there. Um, and then as always, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at the hoops talking and our TikTok. So we have that TikTok. Hey, what's the update on our intern, man? Is he still? So, yeah. He's so intern, if you didn't if you didn't see on my story on the Hoots Talk stories, um, he was had his phone privileges taken away because he wasn't doing his homework. This fool. I know. So mm-hmm. he, he had one day with no new talks because he was on lockdown. Although I did happen to mention to his momager, um, well, he's being homeschooled. <laughs> so doesn't that mean you're his teacher? So <laughs> You are not really to blame. (laughs) (laughs) Which immediately got a very cold stare. For sure. From her to me. I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. But with that said. Gonna, I know. Take him away you gotta be careful. Sister might just be like, nah, no more internship. No. Oh, that'd be the worst thing for us. So he is back on. He has new videos. He's getting us, you know, some followers, some likes. Go there, check us out. They're pretty hilarious. I like them. I think they're fun. Yeah. Um, I'll post a few on Instagram for you to check out. But please he's go. Definitely and keeping up with trends, you know. I'm just like, he's oh, on trends. I mean, he's 13. Thirteen better be up and no chicks. Seriously, <laughs> come on. So it's perfect. So go check us out there. Um, and then uh, Karen, is there any updates on Price Pack? <laughs> Listen, everything on Amazon is delayed a month and a half. It's non-essential. We're it's a <laughs> it's a pause. Are, wait, the, so vibrators are non-essential? Yeah, no, they're not. <laughs> Okay, good to know. So I know, it's a right now, <laughs> No non-essentials on the prize pack. All right. So I'm to make sure we keep that updated. One day, guys. Although One we day. do have a new review. We do have a new review. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, what, which, getting the prize pack was ready. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's really excited to potentially get that prize pack. But yes, they, there is a review up. Someone reviewed. So go check it out. Your review does not have to be Shakespearean in nature. Oh no, keep it short and sweet. Yeah, I like this. Take a listen. Thumbs up. I mean, seriously. That's all we need. 
Doesn't need to be your Tinder profile. It'd be very low. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a clever Twitter bio. Not at all. Not at all. Um, so uh, that's our updates. I mean, we're gonna, we're keeping Ooh. this short and sweet because we have a wonderful guest that's gonna join us up next for our Women Crush Wednesday segment. Her name is Emily Lee. Emily Nelson. And um, she is a PhD student at the University of Hawaii, and she has she's going to share with us her dissertation on the um, Cuban women who were in the All American Girls Baseball team, plus some other fun facts. That is so cool. a student of uh, sports and of women's history. So I'm going to bring we're going to bring her on. Super excited to have her. So we're just going to keep rolling. Guess, unless you guys have any other updates, but I think we covered it. Yeah, no, we did. Rolling with the homies. Rolling. Rolling with the homies. <laughs> All right, she's coming up next. Hi, welcome Emily Nelson Hi. to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Absolutely. Thank you for, I mean, I know it was through a friend that we were able to connect with you from um, the wing, the social club that um, myself, I actually put out a call to people that love sports to come on to the podcast. So I'm so glad we were able to connect that way. Yeah, me too. Me too. Excellent. So, okay, Emily, you and I talked previous and I know um, you're a PhD student at the University of Hawaii. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know right now you're uh, working at Texas A&M. Is that correct? Yeah, that's Um, correct. So we'd love to know a little bit kind of your origin story about how you, because I know you're a sports lover. How did you come, you know, a sports lover? How did you decide to focus on sports and U.S. women's history and what led you to um, your dissertation, uh, which we'll be talking about in a little bit? Yeah, so um, I grew up in like a pretty sporty family. My dad played football in college, had a small stint in the NFL. So just grew up around sports. Um, my mom was my soccer coach and I was like four. And so I was definitely one of those kids that was like, what season is it? We're playing a different sport. Just grew up loving sports. Obviously, ESPN was always on in the background in my entire childhood and honestly still is. Um, and so I grew up loving sports and then unfortunately in high school, I blew out both of my knees less than a year apart from each other. So I had a pretty like traumatic exit from sports when I was like banking on going, you know, to school for with like scholarship to play basketball and such. And so I kind of had this like really ugly exit and something that I loved for so long. Right. Okay. Can you tell us about the accident or is it too painful to? Oh, no, no. it was. It was actually when I was a sophomore in high school, and okay. I had, like, before this, like, the worst injury that I ever had was, like, a bad paper cut and maybe, like, a rolled ankle and, like, <laughs> So I was, like, not an injury-prone kid at all, and it was in dis- – we were, like, a few games away from state, and um, my – not my roommate, but my, my point guard, mm-hmm. on the t- I was playing, like, a 3-4 kind of transition. She – steals the ball and of course our whole team takes off like down the court and mind you like on the court right now we're like four girls who went on to be like all state track and field (laughs) and me the biscuit thrower I was the first one down the court (laughs) and I just like 
point guard, Brianna, she like beautifully like lobbed it in to like, I caught it in my hand and I had like the whole lane open. I was like, well, I'm very right-handed. So obviously I'm going to shoot a right-handed layup. So I just went up to the right side and went up and this girl came behind me and her knee hit my knee so hard in the middle of the air. Like my blew out ACL, MCL, meter lateral meniscus, everything oh, in the air. And then, like, I, like, did this barrel roll into, like, the cheerleaders. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> it was horrible. I, my, I'm, like, 16 years old. And it's districts, and our guys' team is, like, playing right after us. Like, <laughs> small town Missouri. And um, mm -hmm. so, like, my high school principal was there. My math teacher was there. Like, everyone in like, our entire <laughs> school was there. And I'm, like, sobbing, yeah. of course. So, of course. Yeah, that's, like, Basically, and then I did rehab, everything, all that fun yeah. stuff. Well, actually, not fun stuff at all. And then came back <laughs> for the next season, and then I um, was in this, like, meaningless non-conference game, went up for a rebound, came down, landed on a girl's shoe, and then my other knee, and I just was like, doo -doo 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 -doo. Wow. I felt like every single ligament tear one at, one at a time. I just mm. sat down, had the ball, I got the rebound, so. And on the other one, I made a shot. <laughs> so I got an and one, and, like, my friend, like, shot my, like, free throw for me as I'm, like, hobbling off until like <laughs> oh. but, um, so yeah so it was pretty and then it was just pretty ugly from there and of course when you're a junior and that's when like all everyone starts calling and of course and everyone's like oh sorry about this and so so yeah so kind of going into college I had all these hopes for you know becoming a division one athlete and then mm. literally within seconds it kind of gets taken from you so wow. I went to study geography and French in college I went to the University of Missouri for a year and a half transferred went to Texas Tech. My family lives in Texas and had a girl, get your guns up. Oh, baby. Yeah. And so um, I went to Texas Tech and then my advisor, um, and so I had ACL surgeries obviously in high school and then the ACL that they put in, my body rejected it. So I have two more oh. ACL surgeries to go in and fix it. It was like a pretty ordeal for like a wow. while. I'm surprised you would still want to be in sports. Like I would run. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So, it, so yeah. So then this whole, whole thing happens. And so I'm like hobbling into like my advisor's office and she's like, well, you need an upper level writing intensive elective. And I was like, okay, well, what do you suggest? You know? And she said, well, there's a history of sports and recreation in the United States uh, class. It's an upper level. It's a junior level class. It'll fit your requirements. So I know you like sports, so maybe this would be something you're interested in. I was like, all right, let's sign up for it. So I do, I go into class and this is the next semester, another ACL surgery. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> it was pretty hobbling <laughs> in the class on my crutches, big old brace. It's this lecture <laughs> class of like 60 people and there's like four girls in there and I sit down and I'm hooked. It's wow. the most exciting class. And it was just something mm -hmm. like, honestly, like we said, you know, you're like, I'm surprised you like didn't like hate sports. And for a long time, like, I kind of did and I couldn't go to like a female like or women's like basketball game wow. um, because especially like when I was at Mizzou when I was at Texas Tech it was so hard to watch because I was like I know one better than them <laughs> like, right you know, like, <laughs> my literally can't even carry me up and down the court anymore so it was hard to watch and so then I started taking this class and we started from like Puritan era to present day wow. I'm just kind of talking about how sports and competition and professionalized sports and stuff became um, this entity, this enterprise that we see today. Wow. And then I realized like sports was such a huge part of my life, but me, like a single athlete, I'm a part of something much, much bigger. Mm. And that's kind of like, I learned to kind of fall in love with sports again. 
and in a way that honestly would sustain a career way longer than any professional athlete mm. ever has. So this is something that I've decided yeah. to, you know, to make into, like I said, like a career in, in, in writing and reading about um, sports is honestly the best therapy that I could have had. So wow. here we are. <laughs> That's amazing. Nice. Yeah. So amazing. And do you find, you know, because you do have, you know, you, you are someone who, I mean, I wish I could do it as well, but you've been so entrenched in the history, right? So you've gone, like you said, from Puritan times to now, um, and you're seeing the evolution based on history. What are you seeing, or could you even maybe, if you had a crystal ball, based on what's happening now with COVID in sports and the, the, the league stopping and what are you seeing? Do you think, I just read a piece about how uh, this, uh, you know, coronavirus could actually be detrimental to the gains that women's sports has made. How do you feel about that? Or what are your thoughts on how this pandemic is going to shape potentially sports or, uh, for good or bad, or from what you've seen in history, if you have any idea on that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing that I think everyone is realizing is how much money that we have invested into sports. Mm. Not just like obviously in the contracts of these athletes who are getting paid, you know, crazy amounts, which just is like relatively speaking a very recent thing. I mean, if you look at baseball players and like the 60s and the 70s is when their contracts really blew up. But before then, professional athletes used to make like what a dentist or maybe like a doctor would make, which is like, you know, you'd, you'd be comfortable, okay. but, um, but it's nothing like yeah. mega salaries that we see today. And so not only just like, like I said, contracts of these athletes, but also the journalists. Um, I mean, I think I saw like so many journalists for like even Sports Illustrated, tenured journalists who've been there for so long are now being laid off or yeah. furloughed or if they're lucky. Right. And so I think people are realizing the amount that we have just invested into sports as a staple of like our American culture and realizing that that too is something that we have created for better. And now as we're seeing for worse. Right in this time and like you said for female athletes and so and for professional women in sports we're always unfortunately kind of on the lagging edge of what's being kind of pushed out and what's generally accepted in sports so um it's women have especially this past year with like you know like the u.s women's soccer team i think they're the most you know i think current moment that comes to mind of all the work that they're putting in um and obviously on the field or on the pitch and, and off the pitch, but think about all that, you know, legal progress that they're trying to make all that kind of is also like halted for the moment. And as we come back into sports, unfortunately, cases like that, cases like Larry Nasser and such, those are not going to be at the forefront of our conversation like they once were because people are trying to figure out, well, how do we, you know, get back into sports? How do we have, you know, a, a full, MLB season that's not being played just in their spring training facilities. Unfortunately, those are the conversations that are going to completely drive sports for the next couple of years. Yeah. And women in sports, unfortunately, just kind of falls behind. So I think, you know, podcasts like this and just keeping that conversation going will be really important as we move forward. Thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, we're li- we hope we can be a little bit important <laughs> yeah. when, we're, when we're not like completely being like dorks <laughs> trying to figure out zoom um have you have you um I, and I'm wondering too and thinking about the history of sports have you seen anything as great as what this pandemic has done in like has there been another moment in the past either it could be like you know it could be super niche where maybe a sport started like high lie high lie is one of those sports that like some rich person wanted to have happen and they poured all this money and it's I don't believe it exists or at least I don't know of it existing but has there been sports or moments in sports that you could say like have had this kind of misfortune when it was starting or yeah, that's a great question because I think for at least the, everyone's like, oh, this is such an unprecedented moment, which it definitely is because mm-hmm. where everything I think just stops so quickly. Um, but in regards to sports stopping, mm-hmm. um, I mean, like Wimbledon right now is like, was canceled for the first time since like yeah. World War II or something like that. And mm-hmm. I, yeah. every well, like please. single update that I get, it's like, well, this hasn't been canceled since like a war. <laughs> a great world war so that's where you kind of i think everyone is like kind of forcing to step back and be like whoa like this is pretty big and especially because even like three weeks ago when this well it didn't start three weeks ago but when everything started getting canceled like when the ncaa was like oh we're not going to play march madness with any fans and then within like 48 hours it was no like you know winter and spring sports are canceled and everything just kind of tumbled so quickly so i think um from at least like a cancel standpoint, I think this kind of shows just how unique it is, especially where it's also affecting everyone. Right. Uh, but I think America is getting its own kind of special wake up call mm. that how we really do kind of feel sometimes that we are, well, the idea of American exceptionalism yeah. is always kind of like in the spotlight mm-hmm. is, oh, we're exceptionalism, like the good kind of way. Yeah. rather than oh no we're not <laughs> you know we think we're so great at doing all these things but in reality we're unfortunately you know light years behind everywhere else regardless of it's you know how we've responded to totally. this moment yeah. but also to kind of how mm-hmm. we uh, think that we're okay we're going to be immune Sport, oh that can't touch us you know right so it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of comes back together very interesting yeah so I guess in a way it wasn't until there was a world war mm-hmm. that we saw a moment like this. And I guess this is a good transition because from what I understand in what I've read is that American uh, or the, the girls league, the all American girls baseball league was born from the lack of men being able to play the sports be, or baseball um, because of the war. So, and that is what you are doing your dissertation on. And we'd love to hear about everything about that. I'm fascinated. Um, I read your piece on the website that uh, I have a link and I can put that, I'll put that link on our uh, site for people to um, be able to read it. But your focus was, was the Cuban women mm-hmm. who played for this league. But I'd love for you to take us through like, how did you even find this as a topic that you wanted to do your dissertation on? And then some highlights for us that maybe is like, 
oh, did you know? <laughs> because I love doing did you know isms to people all the time. Um, and take us through that journey. That would be, I think that's really interesting for our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, while I was actually at Texas Tech, my um, thesis advisor who, ironic, not ironically, but he was my, the, the professor for my sport recreation class that I just kind of happened to fall back into sports in a positive light. And so I ended up going back to grad school to get my master's in history. And I asked if he would be my thesis advisor and he's great, Dr. Um, Jorge Iver, who um, is a Cuban immigrant himself. His parents came over really early um, and uh, after kind of the whole Castro moment happens in the late 60s and kind of in the early 60s, seeing that change in Cuba. And so he, he knew that I wanted to study something kind of women and baseball related and that was pretty much it. And he said, I saw something that may interest you. You should look into this. He's like, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And then, of course, I was like, yeah, it's a league of their own. I love it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, there are actually a handful of Cuban women who played in that league. And that's pretty much all I know. You should look <laughs> into it. And thus, the creation of this journey from 2016 <laughs> to here we are, still going, still going at it. But, um, so yeah, so I, as we were just talking about, the um, league was created as a kind of way to supplement uh, Major League Baseball at the time, which did go on, but obviously a lot of the players were um, shipping out to the armed forces, various branches to go fight in the war or do something to help wartime efforts. Yes. And uh, an important, here's a, here's a did you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, Major League Baseball is depleted, but also too, like the farm system, because at this point there was also oh. the minor league system. Oh, yeah. So not only was it like the, you know, handful of men who were on each of those Major League rosters, but also everyone else in the entire organization was wow. pretty much on like wartime effort. So it was like a really big, sports did just kind of not stop. Mm -hmm. In some cases they did, like Wimbledon, like we were just talking about, Right. but it really just was not in the you know the forefront of people's minds and right. so then philip wrigley who was a chewing gum mogul also wrigley of chicago cubs and wrigley field same right. guy he um was like and this is what you, what you see in the league of their own too he said let's have women play baseball and that's kind of like the gist of it but in reality obviously it's a lot more complex and complicated but the league was created in 1943 which World War II only goes from 1939. And then obviously the United States enters in very late 1941 because of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Um, so 1941 to 1945. So this league has always been kind of like pictured as like, oh, this is a form of World War II time entertainment, hmm. which yeah, it is. But the league goes from 1943 to 1954. So wow. most of the league is actually taking wow. place after World War II, which is where my also, my research comes in because you can learn, and that's where I kind of argue, you can learn a lot more about the league itself when you kind of look at it as a late, like kind of post-war form of entertainment, but also kind of early Cold War years. That's leading into, obviously, the Cold War being, you know, our, our huge conflict with like the Soviet Union. Yeah. And, and as we see in a couple of years beyond even the, the league folding, that Cuba becomes a very central part. So I think it's really interesting that in the 1947 season, they start holding spring training in Cuba, which right. also Major League Baseball was holding their spring training in Cuba as well. And the yeah. 1947 season is super important because that's when Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier for the Brooklyn Dodgers. 
Wow. And so in that season, the Dodgers were actually holding spring training in Havana at the same time that the um, All-American Girls Professional Baseball League was holding spring training. And the Women's Baseball League grew larger crowds than the Brooklyn Dodgers. Oh, so, like, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, so, and I mean, part of that could be that, you know, to speculate at the time, people were like, ah, men playing baseball. We've seen that. Like, what's going on with the women you know they yeah. i mean maybe out of general general you know curiosity sure it's part of the way that kind of like drive that those sort of you know numbers but i think it's it's really interesting to see that you know the demand for you know people wanting to watch women play sports has been there so i think and, and you, we, in, yeah. in your in your um in your uh, research did you happen to see like what the makeup of the audience was that went to go see were like there more women in the audience or was there any information on that that's a great question and that's hopefully too what i'm hoping to kind of dive into in the archives so hopefully i mean fingers crossed i would like to really go to cuba to go look at their national archives and so it's, right now it's a bit trickier to travel to Cuba. Well, sure. it's just a bit tricky to travel in general right now. <laughs> but, oh yeah, all um, but no, that, that's one of my main questions too, because it was, you know, for the first time were women also, you know, coming in mass numbers to be like, I want to see, you know, my sure. friend play, or that could be me, you know, sure. that kind of, you know, representation matters. That'd be interesting to see. So, so yeah, so basically as they're going through in the 1947 season, they end up recruiting a handful of Cuban women to come play. Um, ultimately, seven came to the United States, not just in that first season, but through the rest of the seasons that the league existed. And so um, that's where I kind of really dive in to understand, well, what was their life like? And so um, the Cuban women actually faced, obviously, language barriers, ordering sure. food in restaurants and communicating with teammates. So that, that kind of, um, you know, not tension, but that issue, that barrier was definitely there. Mm -hmm. But from all the primary resources I've read, these women were like really welcomed by their teammates. They <laughs> loved that they had, you know, kind of these like Cuban sisters in their league because the league itself too was kind of this like unique anomaly at the time that right. these women like really formed this kind of sisterhood because of just the unique nature that they didn't know how long this league was going to last. So they just, you know, tried to make the most of every moment. And so um, the women also stayed in the houses like of the teams that they, or the, the cities that they lived in. So mm -hmm. a lot of the, the teams were based kind of in the Midwest, like the, like South Bend, Indiana, mm -hmm. um, and like Wisconsin and Illinois. And so they lived in like, sometimes like, like would do a stay at home kind of situation and they were always welcomed in the homes. And so I thought that was really interesting because at the time, Major League Baseball, there was still like a definite like tension between anyone who was not of like Anglo heritage. Yep. So basically, wow. and and, and so if, you know, even people who are like light skinned, like, mm -hmm. you know, Latinos who are trying to play in major league baseball, some of them, like even the fans, their teammates would be really skeptical. If they stopped in Spanish, like in the dugout, their teammates would be like, you know, I mean, things like this still exist too, unfortunately, right. just speak English. Like, right. you know, so they yeah. didn't embrace that kind <laughs> of racial, um, you know, diversity that, that the women did and so I always thought that was kind of interesting mm -hmm. and so the more I kind of looked into it um I, and, and I looked at the, these images there's a you know handful of images that you can find um on the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League their website and then and also too in the Baseball Hall of Fame they have a really great digital archive as well mm -hmm. the, so these women who were coming over from Cuba they were all light-skinned 
Mm. And so if you look at a more kind of like in-depth history of Cuba, obviously mm. just like, you know, unfortunately with within especially the southern and eastern parts of the United States, um, they have a very, very in-depth history of slavery as well. And so mm. if you and so if your you know ancestors definitely were from that slave trade, mm. um, you have darker skin just mm. because of you know, genetics basics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But if you had more of that Spanish ancestry, then of course you'd have lighter skin. And so the same thing happened for Major League Baseball, that if you were to come up from these Cuban leagues, you had to be of light-skinned origin. Wow. And so that's what I, this, my dissertation really kind of gets into, is that, you know, within this moment that these kind of racial barriers that are existing, we kind of take a second look and realize it's actually an issue of color. And mm -hmm. so the first dark-skinned Latino or Cuban, specifically Cuban, mm -hmm. um, player was um, Minnie Minoso who played for the White Sox, and he uh, didn't come in into Major League Baseball until after um, Jackie Robinson had broken the color barrier. Wow. And and so there really was no um, official writing. There was no official rule that said that um, that that black men couldn't play in Major League Baseball. It was just always the gentleman's agreement mm -hmm. that had been in place long before, like in the 1800s. And so the same thing kind of existed for women in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And so like in there, they had this charm school guide because, you know, as you see in the movie too, they had to wear skirts and they had to wear full yeah. face of makeup that was like required by them. Wow. And so I don't know if any of you played softball, but like, obviously, like you can't even wear any shorts on the like, even the gym, no. there's folks <laughs> where makeup and you're like, Ooh, yeah. No, so, terrible. Like, yeah. And so, sliding. Yeah. I was like, I had a, like, in like seventh grade, I played softball and I had like, I slid, I had a straw, like strawberry, raspberry. I feel like every team called it something different. The last one for like three <laughs> years. <laughs> I was like a mark yep. my skin. So, that idea of, you know, these elite owners basically men were telling the women how to dress, what to look like, how, you know, how to express this sort of femininity um, wow. was pretty much just as unspoken, or it was very ex explicit, but also the color of your skin was a bit more hidden, but just so apparent and very much driving this image that the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League is trying to emulate. And, and as I say, I say this in a kind of, in a, a very critical lens. Yeah. And I try not to take, and I don't want to ever take away from the accomplishments that these incredible women, you know, they were professional athletes, you know, decades before Title IX was implemented. But as we look back and we kind of see that, you know, these very much existing racial barriers that, you know, the Jim Crow laws are still very much affecting these Southern states at this time. Um, yeah, and, and how women are, you know, during World War II get all this economic opportunity. And then afterwards, they're kind of like, well, no, let's actually keep you. Right. And this nice, beautiful domestic role, and do not challenge that because we don't want you looking like, you know, long Soviet communist women who are a bit more butch. I mean, that's basically kind of how it was. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so that's where it's kind of this really complex way of of understanding femininity, economic opportunity of women, but also kind of these racial barriers and how these Cuban women were really the were kind of like writing so many lines so quickly, wow. you know, so, so intricately. So that's pretty much what it's looking at. So wow. it'll be interesting to see kind of as I do more research as well, and hopefully get to know more of the players and hopefully hold some interviews and such to see. see well, I, I mean, like to your point, it sounds like these women have 
so many layers to them just wanting to play a sport that they want to play you know it's like you don't have to I mean I don't know modern in modern days for the most part if you do have the access and the ability you just go out and do it whereas these women were having to ride a lot of those social uh, narratives that were placed upon them not only from um, a men's perspective but from the you know as as females but also the to your point the racial perspective as far as like how their skin color or their tone um, you know how light they were and I know um, I don't know if in your findings there is what is called the brown bag test where um, you put a brown paper bag to your face and you have to be lighter than that brown paper bag to be considered you know, of the fairer or better skin tone. Um, that's something that I I've, have found out through art history in um, studying some of the uh, Latinx cultures um, and the, the artwork that's coming out of there that, that's been very prevalent. Um, but a, as you're unpacking more of these, uh, what these women went through, has there been a particular player or a particular story of one of these players or collectively where you've just been like this is an, an incredible I mean besides you know I know they they have a lot of uh, things that they have to come up against but has there been any like one or two stories where you're like holy shit this is like out of control <laughs> that's so yeah it's interesting because the, I think the name that came up the most was Isabel Alvarez and I guess you could say she was the most kind of quote, prolific pl or, yeah, prolific um, player that mm -hmm. came, I mean, obviously, they weren't making a ton of money, so it's not sure. our prolific in our kind of, our terms, but um, she stayed the longest, like, she kind of had the best, um, you know, batting average and all okay. that fun stuff, and so she ended up playing for um, the team in South Bend, and she stayed there after her, um, the league folded, which I think was really interesting, and mm. so I found, like, a, a primary source that she had like about like a few seasons in or even in her first season she got kind of homesick and she wrote to her mom and her mom was like i'm, I'm pretty much like i'm generalizing this conversation very much sure. her mom was like no stay mm -hmm. like like keep doing what you're doing like it's great which and that's where i kind of want to i think that alone has many layers that i kind of want to peel back on because her mom's you know still in cuba at this time right. And what is she experiencing that she's like, you know, it's stay in America. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. It's the fan here. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of see like what kind of more of that story unpack that. Um, and then she say, and she, she became an American citizen and, and she still lives in South Bend today. So, um, she's still alive? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So around? yeah. Oh. Few, she's actually in a league of their own when they Again? do of those shots at the beginning because you know how it's kind of like they're all their reunion and then basically like 90 percent yeah. of the movie is like a flashback and yeah but you can see her she herself but she's you can see her getting off the bus and there's like a very clear shot of her face so that's really cool oh um, wow and then there's another story i can't even remember her name because and this was in my research i did a few yeah. years ago i need to go back <laughs> yeah look at my notes but she recorded one at bat and then that was it. And she went home. <laughs> back to Cuba. Oh, she was so homesick. Oh, yeah. That was it. Like, they were like women in their, you know, they're teenagers, honestly, at this yeah. point. They were, you know, in their 20s or like. Yeah. Like, 
you know? So I think that, that also to their age that they're coming to the United States says something about maybe what their parents are experiencing. Okay. And I mean, this is during like the Bautista era. I mean, there really is no like shining moment of Cuba's history <laughs> to say that like these are the golden years. And uh, here we are, American exceptionalism again. We yeah. have, you know, inflicted a lot of that upon Cuba and I recognize sure. that for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting that they, these parents, you know, what their family ties were, were enough to be like, yes, go play base, baseball and I don't right. know if I'll see you again. But <laughs> so that I think is an interesting story too. Right. And then obviously if these women were, well, baseball has always been very popular in Cuba and just the Caribbean yeah. in general, because you can play it all year round. Yeah. But how these women were good enough to come play in the United States. So what kind of leagues were there for women in Cuba, like in right. the 40s, also in the 30s, what was you know right. life like for these female athletes? So that's also too what my research hopefully can like kind of dive in on and talk about too. Yeah. So it's 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 unfortunate though because it, of Cuba, it's hard to access anything that's sure. from that country, including archives of of course archives of the past of women. That's not going to be the most like. Uh, <laughs> generous search <laughs> yeah, on google so uh, in general cuba related so so there are definitely some hurdles that are harder to overcome um right. when you know studying something like like cuba in, in this situation so right. um but yeah so each of the stories are kind of unique there's like a the, you can go on the all american girls professional baseball league their website and you can find team photos from each of the years and there is like one photo from like 1949 i think that like the two of the Cuban women, they were like standing next to each other in the team photo, wow. which I thought was like so sweet because they're kind of, they're probably just pals that, if, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're on the same team sure. or you know, like teams played each other. It was like, oh, yeah. I can, you know, speak Spanish. Like yeah. I can, you know, do, yeah. it's just someone who could understand that unique story and that unique journey that they've been on, which Absolutely. that alone is like such an incredible story. That could be a on its own. Itself, yeah. So. yeah, for real. I mean, no, that is so true. Yeah, and even you just talking, I have so many questions like, um, you know, have you been to Cuba or plan to, you know, post Rona, right, to continue, you know, pulling archives, even talking to folks or their families because they may have um, that information. And then I think something else that came in my head is like, what if there were Cuban uh, women who are morena and dark and tried, but they were excluded from coming? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, do the, the, these women, these teens, right, that they send money back home, were they kind of maybe even the pr primary caretakers because they were making American money versus what their family was making? Right. Yeah, these are all great questions, which I definitely am like very eager to dive into. The first one being, I think that was one of the first questions I had when I did my research was how many, you know, dark skinned Cuban women who were hell of an athlete were probably like, right. let me play. And here, you know, our, you know, Philip Wrigley and company is like, great arm, but not for you. And like, wow. you know, wow. I, or, or wow. were they just like straight up way more harsh about it? And it's like, nope, sorry, wrong shade. Can't be here. You know, yeah. like, and that's yeah. a really important like question to see like kind of, you know, because it said like, just like major league baseball, this unspoken gentleman, gentlemen's agreement that was definitely very spoken but you know never officially written down the same thing existed for for um you know women in the league and and black women did try out for the all-american girls professional baseball league and managers told them like sorry you don't have enough space like tony stone who um played in the negro leagues there's like three women who played in the negro leagues 
Tony Stone replaced uh, Hank Aaron at first base before he went wow. and played Major baseball, Shoot. who obviously yeah. you know, went on to become like the home run king. And yeah. I was like, they turned her down. <laughs> went on to, like, you know, fill in for Hank Aaron. I was like, that's bullshit. <laughs> so it was like, obviously like the talent was there, but just the, these, these, um, rules were just so quote air quote rules, right. you know, were still in place. So I think that's a great question too, that I really want to find out. Like, and that's, I think if I peel back and try and find more on these leagues mm-hmm. or any sport, you know, entity, whether it was like a league or a team or anything that existed for these women in Cuba, I want to find like a team photo of something to see if it was much more diverse than what, you know, we see within the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. But um, yeah, yeah, that's a great, it's so interesting. So to see, because Isabel Alvarez, Mm -hmm. in that same um, interview, she was like, I played tennis, I played like a few soccer, a few other sports and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, obviously, I mean, tennis is, you know, is pretty much like has this, you know, it's a kind of elite earth sport that's always kind of been the upper class sport here in the United States and just in general. So if she was playing Cuba or, you know, tennis in Cuba, that mm-hmm. she maybe came from, you know, a family that had a little bit more. Right. And so, and does that also probably allude to, you know, that she was lighter skin tone and that she did have the chance to play in the United, you know, in right. the league here in the United States. So there's, I have so many questions too. I know. Let's do a follow up. Oh yeah, please. You gotta come back when you dig some. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, that's why. I mean, when we first connected, I was so fascinated by just the the whole you know idea of like these women playing. Well, first off, just women playing baseball in that time because I do love A League of Their Own. It's like one of my favorite movies. Oh yeah, uh, of women in sports, even though. (laughs) To, it's probably highly fictionalized a lot of the stuff in there um and then to know more about cuban women's role because of those multitudes of race and class and um you know just everything because i mean i'm i'm mexican-american i'm first generation and you know my family it's like to think like I don't think my mom would be like, yeah, go ahead, head over to another country and play a sport, you know, and play a sport. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but like that is, she was, she was born in Mexico, but she had her formative years here in high school. So her, she is more of a American culture, right? That would possibly, you know, I had more access and more opportunity as we all, you know, we all do. Um, and she was given more opportunity and access to say like, hey, you know, my daughter doesn't have to go straight into a marriage at 16. You know, she can go to college and she can have these things. So these women from, you know, a culture that, you know, has the quinceañera, I don't know if they have quinceañeras, but have those, uh, you know, those types of like, hey, you get married um, as soon as you can, <laughs> you get yeah. out there, but then for their family to kind of twist the, you know, change the script and say, Hey, go ahead and go to America and play baseball. That to me is like those parents, I would love to know more about them as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure they're breaking hella norms for yeah. their children. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Especially too, like the fact that you know, I mean, they, like I said, they came on later 
1947, so this is two years after World War II. But again, it's also two years after World War II. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. America's not the most stable. <laughs> yeah, and unsupervised <laughs> right. flying over here. Yeah. yeah yes. It's, it's so interesting, especially to, I mean, obviously on hindsight, we can look back and say, well, things are about to get a little rough for Cuba and the United States in the years to come, but not, you know, just the blind faith of knowing. And I think that's also the beauty of, you know, the idea of the American dream that obviously, yeah. you know, isn't fully extended to everyone by any yeah. means, but the fact that these, you know, I think that says, like I said, something about the, the, the moment that Cuba was in that they were like, well, it's yeah. a little rough, but it could be rougher here than it could be there. So give yeah. it a shot. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, go play baseball and see what happens. And so I think, yeah, you talking to the parents to see, because I mean, the most they probably knew of baseball too, as well, was I, obviously the, the best professional leagues were in the United States, but you know, the, the Cuban leagues were very, very popular as well. And so if, you know, this family knew that baseball was a great way for, you know, was a healthy outlet of energy. And so here's, you know, you can get paid to do it. It's again, so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Well, I'm so excited that we got to dig into this. Um, you know, I know what we're going through in sports right now is crazy, but there's still so much that hasn't been talked about and can be talked about that. I hope that we can kind of use our podcast to bring some of those narratives uh, a place for yeah. discussion. Um, so I'm super excited that we, we got a hold of you and we're able to talk to you about it. Um, before we wrap, is there anything that um, you would like to go and look at or read or a link or anything um, you want us to check out or have our audience check out? Um, let's see. I, I have a website. Okay. It's com backslash Nelson. Also, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Emily Nelson. So um, yeah, it's the same in the in the link that you posted today on the Instagram page. So um, anyone can reach out because I just love talking about anything sports related. So um, no, this is well, been you like, definitely have to come back. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I would yeah. I would be honored. Yeah, no, we will. I mean, it's good to know because you know we I. If we can get you to like come back and talk about some of the facts that you know and uh, give give us some more like maybe do some trivia for oh, I yeah, don't know. Fun. <laughs> we can be fun too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we would love to have you back and let us know how the, it's progressing. You know, as you're starting to you know sure. if you come across some cool stuff that you want to update on, us on. Uh, we'd love to hear how it's progressing because I'm just like, I'm thinking there's a book and yes. some movies. And a movie for sure. Yeah, a movie for sure. Yeah. <laughs> My mom tells me that. So sh I'm glad to know that there's other people who think that besides oh. <laughs> 100%. I would watch it in a Definitely. Yeah. In a heartbeat. I, I'm buying tickets. Buying Definitely. tickets. Right. Pre-order. Pre-ordering it. Perfect. Um, so thank you, Emily, so much for coming on to the podcast and reaching out and let's definitely be in touch. Uh, I just can't tell you how exciting it was to have you. And this is an amazing topic and we wish you all the luck and hope that you get farther and farther and more information about this. Perfect. Sure. Well, thank y'all so much for having me. Yeah, I, thanks, Emily. Hopefully 
we can talk soon. Of course. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Crazy. I know. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, just digging into the awesome. link that you had sent us prior, man. I know. There's some juice. And I, she was, when I had our pre-call uh, prior to the podcast, she was telling me all these things that she knows about women in sports and U.S. history. I was just like, whoa. She I like this whole trivia quiz thing or like, yeah, I'm, oof. Could we should have like a tournament. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> brackets. Could be a whole new prize pack. That comes oh, man. <laughs> oh, a roll, a walk-on roll on the film. <laughs> Ten years. <laughs> you, you can be our background in one of our yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> extra. You're, oh yeah, you can be. <laughs> you want to sit right here? Yeah, sit like behind <laughs> here. Put your That's so funny. Or something. <laughs> you can be Stanley for a day, right here. Yeah, right there. Blurred <laughs> out. <laughs> we'll Photoshop you in like the office background or yeah. like, the field with Karen. Like yeah. it. Like it. Love it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that she came reached out and came on. And um that was great. That was it. That was our Women Crush Wednesday for uh this episode. I think we're ready to move on, but thank sure. you, Emily Nelson. We'll put all the links up on our yes. um notes and stuff. all that good stuff. So uh but on to the next segment. All right, ladies. Dance break. <laughs> right. That was a good dance break. Got to fix my bangs up a little bit. Get it going. Kendall, you are having tech difficult day. Uh, yes. I know it, man. I keep going out. I keep freezing. <laughs> That's why I've got this beer because I'm just like, I need it right now. You know, our audiences should take a shot every time there's a Kindle glitch. I know, right? <laughs> That's the game for this episode. Have I made stupid faces? Well, Have I been frozen. stuck like... Yeah, you're all... <laughs> <laughs> Freeze frame. Okay. <laughs> um, well, so I have just put everything under sports in the age of the coronavirus because there's just everything kind of melding into one another at this point. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about is just something that you two have been uh, involved in and super excited is the We Keep Playing event that yep. happened mm -hmm. this past Saturday um, via... Uh, what is it? The Women's Foundation, Sports Foundation. Sports, yep, WSF. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Verizon, and was um, hosted on Yahoo Sports uh, app and website. <laughs> Guys, tell us a little bit more about that because I I watched it and I was my, blown away, blown away by the panelists. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Walk us through. How, I mean, you guys must have been like, this is crazy wonderful when it happened. Um, so we've had, uh, we've been trying to build a, a relationship with the Women's uh, Sports Foundation for a while now. Uh, they reached out to us a couple, I don't know, a month or so ago about doing some stuff with them. And, and obviously now that we're all kind of quarantined, there's not a whole lot of, content out there so we're trying to make stuff happen 
Um, so basically, it kind of came together really quickly. It seemed like I don't know what you yep. think, Kyla. It seemed like it was like, hey, was we're doing on this. it like it Tuesday. Like a week <laughs> later, it was like, okay, we're <laughs> done with it. And like it was weird. Um, but yeah, so basically, Billie Jean Keen is she started this foundation, the Women's Sports Foundation. Um, so she was kind of the host of the event, I guess. Like she was the one that wanted to put it on. Um, it was technically hosted by Carrie Champion, who works at ESPN, and it had uh, Carly Lloyd from the U.S. women's soccer team. It had Bria Ionescu from Oregon and possible first rounder or first pick. Um, it had Kendall Coyne from the U.S. women's hockey team, Katie Ledecky, the swimmer, Scout Bassett, um, a runner. Um, who am I missing, Karen? Shanae. Who else did we have? Shanae. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shanae. We had Shanae. She was awesome on it. She brought the energy for sure. For sure. Um, Katie Sowers from oh, the, oh, the yep, coach from yep. the Niners. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was about it. But um, you guys had like Condoleezza yeah. Rice talk to. Oh, and then Condoleezza, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like a separate interstitial, yep. too. It was amazing. Yeah, but. So yeah, it was basically them just kind of going over what they've been doing during quarantine and how to stay active and, um, you know, giving life to women in sports and trying to keep the momentum that we had going into 2020, women's sports had going into 2020 yeah. that kind yeah. of got stripped away from us because of all this and just right. trying to keep it moving forward. Yeah. No, I believe like Billie Jean King was saying, the foundation was really built on wanting to uh, continue giving access to women to sports um, mm -hmm. and disability, which was like super important. And that's what, you know, continuing, she wanted to continue to do with, you know, the foundation and have that platform. I thought it was amazing. Um, I, I followed it. I was, I was tweeting it from the Hoops Talk uh twitter and there was a lot of great responses um mm -hmm. i just i mean it was the we keep playing was the hashtag so you could go on to twitter and like look at some what some of the people were saying there was a lot of really uh good conversation i thought it was interesting that Chanae at one point was saying you know we're at a point where we're not looking back she was saying Yep. When the march happened right when the 2016 election yeah. happened and the women's march she felt like that was a game changer and that mm -hmm. women were like enough we yep. are getting together we're collaborating yes we're not mm -hmm. competition against one another we need to work together and so she's she's like everybody on this panel is you know uh we're working together it's not a competition amongst ourselves yep. and I think that I love was that. really that was so good. yeah I mean she's right like we had so much momentum I mean you know regardless of how you felt about Hillary Clinton you know it was still a massive thing for us for her to even be the nominee for the Democratic Party right like glass ceiling cracked right that was her sure. whole thing at the DNC she had that video and at the end the ceiling cracked right totally. um so like, I feel like from there we had just like, you know, and then we had the Me Too movement and then we've got the U.S. Yes. women's thing and then we've got the gymnastics thing with the Nasser finally getting um, 
in trouble. And then like, you've got all this stuff and it was like, oh yeah, we're building a lot of momentum here. And then you had Kobe and Gigi who were bringing so much attention to the WNBA and, and, you know, women's basketball. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, Kobe's gone. The, you know, now we've got this coronavirus. So everything's at a halt. You know what I mean? Like even Sabrina, Sabrina was just like one of those, just watching her play was like, it just brought so much to women's basketball. And now we don't even get to watch her play anymore. So it's, it, it was just like a huge momentum stopper, but she's right. Like we're not, like all of the bullshit aside, like competition, we're not competition to each other. We need to all work together and collaborate and somehow figure out a way to break through all the bullshit. Yeah, no, I agree. And hearing Sabrina, you know, it was, it's kind of a heartbreaker because she did, she does say, you know, my season being cut the way that it was cut is heartbreaking, you know, and She's all devastated. The, yeah absolutely devastated I mean how can you not be having the season that you had and the momentum and and also like there must be a lot of things that are left unsaid unproven undone you know like they'll never be complete I mean I think the fact that uh Kobe and Gigi and and the the tragedy that happened in that helicopter also gave a lot of you know oh I'm not gonna be able to do it for him or I'm not gonna have be able you know there's just a lot I think of uh, that that happened and she was talking about that during this um during this event which was just a heartbreaker um Mm -hmm. and then Katie Sowers I thought brought up a really great point as well she was saying you know I would wish that um we would you know stop with all this gender you know yeah about like you go into stores and you're like, here's the women's section, here's the girls section, or here's the boys section. Yeah. Like, let's just stop all of that and just look at each other and check ourselves when we're doing this and to change the narrative yep. and try to be more inclusive because you know we're trying to find what each other's passions are. And that doesn't really have to revolve around the gender part of who we are if that's our passion. Right. Um, so that was so powerful. It was so powerful, you know, and then I think it was Katie Ledecky who talked about, they asked about advice for young athletes, and she mentioned that, you know, uh, she doesn't want to be considered a hero. She wants Mm -hmm. to look at the heroes now in the healthcare, in the front lines, the doctors, the grocery clerks. She She wants people to say, like, those are the real heroes. You know, she doesn't want to mm-hmm. be a hero. Athletes shouldn't have to be the, the heroes. There are real heroes out there. They're putting themselves on the front line. I mean, it was just, it was remarkable. It was so powerful. The power, the energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was living for it on Saturday. Obviously, some people weren't living for that power. <sighs> I, there you always have a few assholes in the mix. Like, you know that was going to come about. <laughs> I mean, it's just so it's like why even yeah try to spill spoil milk on it like just don't watch it if it's not for you get out of here right take no more else. energy to talk shit than just to yeah. ignore and you know these women yeah. can fuck you guys up on the field on the court any fucking day <laughs> so you want to talk shit about the the oh women's sports uh, like it was sports, pretty, bro <laughs> it was pretty disheartening 
I just saw those comments on the stream on desktop where it was like, oh, yeah. my, the only women's sport I watch is jello wrestling or oh. wine, wine, wine. We want to get paid and stuff like that. You're just like, you know, you fucking with your troll name and your troll ways. And I just wish like there are a lot of things I think that we all look at and say, this is how I would have done it if it was me. Okay, so I have those things that I think about when I when I see this, um, mm -hmm. and it's like there there needs to be a community management. This is like my social hat, you know, my my social hat that comes on some sort of community management. I think in all of tech, because I think tech in general and in social media, we tend to be like, well, if you don't say anything, you know, we just let them, you know, be who they are. It's like no. You need to take a point of view when it's something that has a certain energy, and especially if it's being, uh, in my opinion, if it, it was being targeted to young uh, girls, young athletes, you know, there are a lot of the questions that were in video came from young, uh, like six, seven-year-old Little girls. Yeah. Little girls. And just like you would put a rating, like a, the PG, a G, and R to a movie, I think when you're trying to have this conversation that's definitely targeted to a youth market, then there should be some, uh, some sort of like, you take the comments down or you community management those type of comments, because that's, that's the kind of shit that you, it is true, that's a reality, that stuff happens in the world, we're all witness <laughs> to that shit happening to us. To that happening to others but it's like if you can do that one time where you're just like you know i'm turning the comments off or i'm gonna go in community management that was my one thing where i'm like man what a missed opportunity to take you know a stance and say you know what not fucking today fucker not fucking today but it is what it is it, you know hindsight's 2020 Overall, I think the panel was just chef's kiss. Like, I couldn't think of a better thing to do on a Saturday. It was so good. And yeah, I was a vigilante on Yahoo.com. I went in and I reported every little dick face. <laughs> I, was on, I was on social, so I wasn't, I wasn't dealing with the app stuff. But oh, yeah. I was on Facebook and, and Twitter. And believe me, it really as a social i know a lot of like there's a lot of internet jokes about people who run social media accounts are interns or whatever which is okay. not the case whatsoever and that right. joke is it's funny once and then it gets a little bit like well that's yeah. really fucking disrespectful like that's my full-time job and totally and it's literally a full-time job like you have to do it 24 yeah. 7 non-stop and anytime we post anything about women in sports we it's just constant with that that garbage and it really does like mess you up mentally saying that that trash because you just have you have like all this hope like on my personal one nothing happens you know like i've had the occasional stick yeah. to sport or get back in the kitchen or whatever you know right but that's like every once in a while but when you post just especially during like the world cup women's world cup anything we posted was just they just rolled oh, in. Yeah, like but the they fucking rocked it. Oh, yeah. And but soccer like team. all this, the sexist comments that we would get on anything we post, it like, it really does mess with a social media manager's yeah. mental health. Oh, like, yeah. especially a woman seeing that yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. So 
I'm not afraid to clap back from the Yahoo Sports yes, handle on it. people like that. I, you know, sometimes I do, I'll write stuff out and I'm like, mm, right. okay, you got it out, but like delete it. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. know, like that's yep. a little bit too much <laughs> from a brand. Uh, <laughs> but there are times when I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck you. You're in your mom's basement. You're hiding behind a keyboard because you would never say this to any of their fucking faces. Yeah. Because you don't have the balls to do it. So, no, we're going to say something today. Yeah. But, you yeah. Great follow up. You get all those mean tweets. You figure out pictures of these assholes and you have all the women on that panel read their mean tweets and then plop their ugly photo and username. How awesome <laughs> well, you know what, though, at the same time, it's yeah. like they crave for the attention, right? Because they're, yeah. to your point, they're in a fucking basement with a fake name. They can't, they have no skill to be able to come out and they would never say that to your face. They yeah. would never go to these athletes and say it to their face. So they right. hide behind these personas. And the best thing for them is to get mentions and to get, uh, you know, people to, to actually give a shit about it. And you're just like, you don't want to give them that satisfaction at the same time. You're like, how does this, how do we police this? There's just no way. Yeah. I just, I guess at, I have faith the that same. the rest of the collective would come at them, you know, men and women be like, you're a turd. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, you have to, you have to you have, like pick your battles, right? You're not going to go after every single one or you could be there all day for the rest true, of your life. True. That's true. Um, but so you have to pick your battles, but like for me, it's one of those things like silence is a lot louder than yeah. saying something sometimes. Yeah. So if if I feel like something is happening that I'm not uh, that I oppose or whatever, then you know sitting back and not doing anything about it is basically just letting it. You're okaying it, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, like yeah, some you're not gonna go after every single one, but there are sometimes, you know, and yeah. you see it on Twitter all the time. Why are you feeding the trolls? Why are you feeding the trolls? And it's like, well, because sometimes you just gotta fucking get in there slap and you gotta in attack them, <laughs> right? Because you know what, you're, it's just, it's not gonna stop. But it makes me feel a little bit better today, <laughs> is knowing that I stood up to this asshole sitting in his mom's basement. So that's why you feed the trolls occasionally. I just think Yahoo would have such great a great editorial franchise if you got those trolls, especially with the female athletes, and then made them compete with them one on one, but then act like, oh, you yeah. want a free trip to LA and <laughs> school her. Oh, I thought about that idea. I, I thought about it. that idea. Plenty I'll fund that shit. <laughs> we'll Kickstarter it. Let's we'll do it. I'll get someone in marketing to fund it. Let's do it. Oh, let's do it. I would yeah. watch that. I would. Oh, everyone would watch that. I'll produce everyone. it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, you know what? I'll fucking, I'll, I'll get the, uh, you know, I will come at the Rona with for this shit. I'll yes, <laughs> come at the Rona. We'll do six feet, you know, from each mask, full yeah. mask, gloves, a whole suit, so I can come and see these fools. Most get of these guys, you don't want to be closer to six feet from, anyways. True. Right? <laughs> Nasty asses. <laughs> Well, I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be, you know, real if we didn't bring up that there is that among the greatness that it was, but it wasn't what defined it. 
it definitely what defined it was these women having this conversation. Um, and I thought it was great. And so you can see, uh, is there a replay? Are people able to see a replay of the event? It's, uh, it's pinned to the top of Yahoo Sports Twitter and you can watch it. Okay, so we'll make sure we put that in the we'll notes. Share that out. It's really yeah. great. It's the only thing I will say too that I was sad about was that we never saw Carrie Champion's dog Coco. We heard <laughs> all about Coco, but no, nope. never saw the dog. I wouldn't mind seeing the dog, and I'd also like Chine's, uh guacamole recipe because I heard guac and chips. Yeah, and chips. <laughs> and I, I would like that recipe. Um, hey okay. man, it's quarantine life. Right. True. Um, yeah, so that was a great event. Next up, uh, the WNBA draft is Friday on ESPN. Yes, not two. ESPN. No, it's on the actual channel. I believe it's going to be two hours long. Woo! It's going to be like, I think it's like two hours long. And then after the draft, they're going to be showing game five of the, uh, championship season the cha- the last championship is the the um what was it the mystic, nice. washington mystic and, and the team that lost <laughs> connecticut <laughs> right yes 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 the suns um so they're gonna be playing uh game five over again um which was, which is nice so it'll be a nice big WNBA on friday party so today i actually sat in a conference call, the 2020 WNBA pre-draft media conference call. And on that call, there were, um, let's see, I closed my window here, but I wanted to just let y'all know who was on the call. Well, uh, let's see, sorry, where did my tabs, tabs, tabs? Okay, Um, Rebecca Lobo, and Holly Rowe were on the call, and I believe they're going to be doing the, um, they're actually going to be the hosts. So they're the ESPN WNBA analysts, but they're also going to be hosting the show. And then as far as, that was like the first part of the call. It was a long call. No, I mean, no joke. It was a long call. And then the, the last half, it was um, WNBA head coaches, uh, Greg Bibb of the Dallas Wings, uh, Sandy Brundello of the Phoenix Mercury, uh, Walt Hopkins of the New York Liberty, and Cheryl Reeve of the Minnesota Lynx. One of the things that, so I'm just going to run through some highlights, but uh, Walt Hopkins said that Tina Charles is still with the Liberty because we haven't heard, you know, there's a lot oh, of stuff yeah. that happened during free agency. Mm-hmm. No one like has said if she was going to be there or not, but he, he said on this call that she was with the Liberty, whatever that means, but that's what, that's what they're saying. Um, and then some other highlights. So uh, Sabrina Ionescu, who, as we know, is going to be the first draft pick. I mean, obviously New York lit. She's going to be in a, a live. Right. She's going to be a lib. She's going to be. I mean, unless they nix it. Oh. She's going to be a lib. <laughs> they might. Wait, does Dolan own, own the Liberty? Oh, is that, Karen? Does Dolan own the Liberty? No. He got oh, out of God. it. Oh, God. Well, they're, they're fine then. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> I wonder how he's doing with the Rona. Oh, with the Rona. I know. Yeah, There's no update. update. <laughs> 
stolen? Yeah, we haven't got any Rona updates about him. Woo! Wait, did he get it? Yeah. That's impossible. He had the Rona? Yeah. Oh my God, what if he's being fucking weakened at Bernie's drown? Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, Maybe. <laughs> we haven't heard from him. We haven't. haven't heard yeah, last time was the 28th of March. Yeah. But the sucky thing is little to no symptoms. Uh. Wow. <laughs> the sucky thing. We're dicks. <laughs> I'm just waiting on Karma to get her job done. We didn't fucking wish it on him. He already had it. Goddamn high five. So you're just wishing worse symptoms on (laughs) (laughs) Look, we need hope for the next. At least the diarrhea symptom. (laughs) Yeah, I just want his butthole to fall off. Two weeks of diarrhea. That's all I ask. (laughs) Oh, man. Someone should tell him, like, the only way, the only cure is to sell the Knicks. Maybe they need to do that. When he's having like high fever. Yes. They sign stuff while he's delusional. Just get him when he's all delusional. <laughs> Have him just sign. <laughs> oh, somebody, anybody. Weakened yeah. at Bernie's his arm into a signature. <laughs> yeah, you think Steven would do it? Put on some PPE and go out there and try to. <laughs> He'd be a fucking hero if he did. Yes. Definitely. Oh, yeah. a hero. Um, so yeah, so she's definitely going to be a lib. So one of the questions that they asked was, uh, "What, uh, what do you think Sabrina is uh, Sabrina in the spotlight of New York?" Rebecca had a really great answer. She said that Sabrina is going to fit in perfect with New York, and that the, the New York fan base is a little bit different because you know they'll stop you on the street and talk about basketball, and there's just this like hyper awareness of sports and sports culture, and that Sabrina will just be a perfect culture fit on and off the court. She really lives and craves for those pressure moments, um, which, you know, New York is a high fucking stress uh, culture in general. And I think in sports, they are like super, super, super like culture of sports. I lived there with eight years. I mean, anywhere, anytime, anytime on the streets, you could like drop a pin and be like talking about Yankees or talking about the the Knicks, you know, it's always very hyper focused on that. Um, So that intensity we see can either break a player or make a player, you know, not a lot of not a lot of players can like go into that grind. You have very few like uh, Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter, um, you know, from the Knicks, you see like a lot of those players, they just, you know, just kind of fizzle out they can't they can't deal with it um but she has that that crave for high pressure moments so they they felt uh rebecca lobo felt she's going to be a great fit and holly Rowe mentioned that there's about twenty two thousand romanians in new york and sabrina is a first generation oh so that population will also know that there's twenty two thousand fans right there i know built in built in fan base um so the uh, the other question around Sabrina was what makes her different, and Rebecca Lobo uh, just mentioned again her competitive fire and her will to win, and she compared her to Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird when it comes to the, being a standout. Um, and she, uh, Rebecca was asked about um, 
between Oregon and I think South Carolina who would win in the NCAA finals and she couldn't pick a winner. I I I would have gone. I wish we could have gotten that game. I know, could have gotten the game. I know, I know. God, so it's going to be a lot. The lost season, you know, definitely a lot of lost. They're going to have to. They're going to have to do like a a reunion, five years, ten years, (laughs) and just play games. Everybody from each team, South Carolina and Oregon. Well, they better stay fresh. Go to that. I would go to that. Um, and then they also were, I mean, they were, there was tons of great questions from all different news outlets, but I would just like pick some like highlights. Like, um, one of the questions was what they, what's the difference between the draft this year than last year? And obviously, you know, Sabrina does add the something extra to this draft, not to take away from players from last year, but she's just that like, you know, when Candace Parker entered the draft, that feel that like uh just just something magic that's going on with her coming into this particular draft um and uh, actually and what i thought was really interesting is that um not only is that there's sabrina in this draft but the free agency has really left a lot of the teams sacked so if they're if they feel like they're fully formed you know a lot of these teams are already kind of uh, formalized, they, they've got who they needed, that's going to leave a lot less opportunity for players that are undrafted to come into the training camps. So that's like a really interesting uh, position for the for WNBA because normally, you know, you have a lot of opportunity. You've got these kids, these young women that are undrafted and they can go to the, the training camps. That's not going to be the case in this time. So it's a very unique draft. Um, and then a surprise pick who I'm really like want to dive deeper into, um, Holly mentioned her, Holly Rowe mentioned her was Bella Alari. So, uh, she played, uh, I think in Princeton. So she played in the Ivy league. So she didn't get as much attention, um, or our televised games on a national scale, but she's someone that's definitely going to be a first round pick. Uh, well, she'll, she'll be in the first draft. And what's interesting about her is I was doing a little more research and she's going to, she's doing a dissertation on some Broadway show. She's like studied uh, U.S. or she studied um, the history of music. And for her dissertation, she's doing this uh, paper on, on Broadway and, and the particular show, which I, I, you can find it somewhere. I, I don't have it up, but um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I think that she's going to be, one of those like a job Morant where it's kind of like people the spotlight is definitely on Sabrina but yep. she's gonna have some stuff you know under the radar that's really gonna like push her to a level that you may I, I you know she's gonna be one of those that you're just like oh I didn't realize like that's happening on that on that way so those are some things that came out of that conference and I actually recorded it very like MacGyver style with one phone <laughs> catch the other phone play. So I have some transcripts that I could probably get out and get a little more information. But I'm excited for this draft. I'm fucking wait. I'm excited and they're excited because even Holly was like, fuck, we're gonna get like two hours on the main ESPN yeah. channel to you, talk yeah. about WNBA. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's, That's fucking massive. So 
I think, uh, I think it's gonna be great. So that was that. Um, the other thing I think <laughs> we need to talk about is the NBA horse event. <laughs> okay, no lie, I did, I did turn on the TV, I did put the channel on, and I couldn't take more than like two minutes. I waited for highlights. Twitter, <laughs> what happened? I I waited until the first couple shots, and I was like, no, no. It first of all, it was shot on dial-up internet, apparently, uh, or a potato. You pick one. It was either old AOL or a potato. Potato. Or or it was LeBron's little flip phone from back in the day. Um, on top of just horse being the most boring fucking game on earth to watch, even in person, Trey Young decides to start off the game with a fucking free throw, <laughs> which is the most boring shot. You're supposed to knock him out, and then they can't do anything but try to match it. Come on, the strategy to horse. I mean, everything was just so fucking lame. And then you've got, like, some dude who has, like, he's, like, trying to interview them, and he has the 3M fucking stick'em hooks on the back of his wall with holding jerseys on hangers where he's, like, oh, I got to make my makeshift home studio. Like, Gross. It's, everything about this was just so bad. On mm -hmm. top of the fact that you have shitty-ass Mike Conley who's been paid so much money that he has an indoor fucking 24-hour Yeah, well, everyone else is outside freezing. Oh. Yeah, well, Tamika Catchings, who has so many accolades, is wearing a fucking coat and, and a hat. She looks like the fucking wet bandit from Home Alone. Like, yeah. what the fuck? No, it and is... we have more rounds of this shit. This is just, I don't miss sports enough to yeah. watch this garbage shot on a fucking potato. Sorry. And you know... I'm out. I'm sorry, but... I also have to say that anybody that was on Twitter trying to make this an actual thing that actually was like, oh, look at this. Look at this. No, I'm a, no, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say na, 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 because there is no fucking way that you are legitimately watching this and think that it's good. Like, there's no way. And you are so thirsty, like, just know, like, we have said this since the beginning of the virus. Everybody just relax. You mm -hmm. stop. Just pump the fucking brakes and let's all collectively use our energy to put something forth better in the future than trying to come up. You know, there, no. I understand that the NBA is trying to do something but they don't need to stop like this one was rock bottom this ain't it chief yeah this ain't, ain't it. it yeah and there's so many players this why can't we do it. deep dives into their stories and learn about yeah. them as a, like you know journalism p diddy had a benefit on ig live for uh 
to raise money to get healthcare workers the the supplies that they yeah, need. The raised like over three million dollars. Yeah. In an IG live, I would have rather seen an IG live. You know, and I know I complain because those fucking IG lives are blowing up my phone like every five seconds. Oh yeah, like for on sure. the hour, yeah. there's ten IG lives going on every hour on the hour. I get it, but yeah. this was on the main channel. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was. It was so, just so bad. so bad. I, I could not change the channel quick enough. Yeah, it was just like. Let's just like sit down. Can we all just like stop forcing sports on us? Just let's sit down and contemplate the moment that we're in and what we have and be grateful for whatever and whatever and not put fucking horse on TV ever again. I don't give a shit that there's two more rounds left. No. End it, ESPN. Just end it. That was the most atrocious thing I've ever watched on fucking TV and Donald Trump's ass is on there every goddamn day. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a comparison. (laughs) Woo. (laughs) Oh man. That is, that is a read. That is a full read. Red. But Karen, Karen, you did say the one silver lining. You brought this up. You were we were talking oh, about it earlier. And it's definitely evident with catchings and Conley's setups. Like, um, what was this? I came across a tweet by Erica, who's a producer at EA Sports. And she just, you know, tweeted a conversation between her and her husband. She was like, my husband, why does Allie Quigley, oh, sorry, wrong comparison, but he was similar. Why does Allie Quigley have such a shitty court? And then, of course, she's like, let me launch into a dissertation about the gender wage gap and how WNBA player, NBA players should make more money. But, of course, she had to mute her replies because, as we can all imagine, a lot of guys got in their huff, yeah. huff about, of course, yeah. trying to say, why are you trying to make as much money as, like, LeBron? No one's asking to make money like LeBron. I mean, yes, but we know that's not going to happen. No. It's all about just And like, what they're worth. Yeah, what they're worth the actual NBA investing sponsorships, all that stuff, everything that, you know, the current commissioner is doing, that's the stuff we should have been doing years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact, you know, even when Emily was on, she said when the uh, girls league baseball league came on, more people attended that. Yeah. Hello. I, I just don't understand. Like you know, it comes to a point too where if you're you keep like doubling down on the same argument, it doesn't mean that you're right. Oh yeah, you know, no. like, <laughs> this ain't Rona. Just because you're exposed several times doesn't make it happen. Yeah. It doesn't. You know, you're right. not right because you keep saying that. It's, it doesn't make any sense anymore that you're when you're saying that. It's like stupid. Yeah. It's like when fucking that bitch in the White House keeps saying, oh, well, Obama's administration. And you're like, okay, bitch, you know what? That is so far gone. That's be, that's no longer relevant. And you, by you continue to say it doesn't make... You've been in office for four years, dumbass. Yes. Right. It's, but nothing's his fault. Come on. You guys know that. Well, that's, you know, you know sociopath. These people that keep saying the but, same thing about the page thing, they're bitches just like he is so i think it would i think karen you 
you retweeted a guy last night who quote tweeted a picture of Mike Conley and Tamika catching. Yeah. And somebody, it was like a woman said, put the pictures next to each other and she goes, This seems slightly unfair. And yeah. Tamika catching's outside freezing her ass off and Mike Conley like by the fire, just like dribbling around in his air conditioned gym. And he, a guy quote tweeted it, and he said, with all the accolades oh, yeah. for um, each of them, and it was like, yeah, he goes, Tamika Catching, Basketball Hall of Famer, WNBA champion, 2011 WNBA MVP, 10-time WNBA All-Star, four-time Olympic gold medalist, $300,000 net worth. Mike Conley, 2013 All-NBA second team, $32 million net worth, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it. it that's it that's all he has wow I mean that's kind of says it all and if you and if people that say about this that you want to get paid LeBron money if those people keep saying that same thing and they can't see with their eyes using logic that it doesn't seem fair that someone with the accolades and career and history is making a fraction of somebody who just has a few accolades and one, one accolade and, one. and also <laughs> is in like this highly, you know, uh, this gym while she's outside in like a jacket. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. If, if you yep. still think that's fair. Okay. I don't know. This is not a conversation that we can have with them. For sure. If anything, like Mike, yeah, Mike Conley's salary is inflated. 2013, bro. It's 2020. That's terrible. You're yeah. like close. You're retire. I like this kid though. This this guy's name is Jack Bloomfield. I mean, he's got like 140 followers on Twitter. But so somebody underneath him goes. How many WNBA games did you watch last year? And he goes, I probably watched around 10 Mystics games during my free time. And I went to an LA Sparks game when I was in town. One of the best games I've been to. And exactly. <laughs> so he's like, fucking come at me, man. I got, I got receipts. Yeah. <laughs> little Jack, little Jack Bloomfield. Well, fuck. I'm, I'll follow you. I didn't, go to follow. Any, I didn't go to any, I mean, I couldn't afford to go to any Laker games. Does that make no, me not a Lakers? Oh, fan? yeah, exactly, I right? I can't like NBA. I can't like Lakers because I wasn't at every game. Oh, and I don't go to games? Yeah, and I couldn't sit at home and watch every single, like, game on TV. Why, how does that, like, mean that you're into something? How many Wimbledon games do you actually watch? Right. Probably yeah. just watch Lois Serena. <laughs> you know, does that but mean? But not only that, but, like, facts are facts. It doesn't fucking matter if I've watched 8 million horse races or Wimbledon matches or whatever. Like, if I'm bringing the facts, what fucking difference does it make? Doesn't make it's any. the facts. Like, like, she clearly has done more in her career than he has. Yeah. He's getting paid and she's not. That's yeah. a fucking fact. I don't have to be a fan. I don't yeah. have to be a super fan. I don't have to watch one second of NBA or WNBA. A quick Google search will give you that shit. If you literally do not like sports at all and you Googled that, you'd be like, that doesn't seem fair. Yep. Right. 
You know, if I just well, then you've got the how many TV say how much revenue do they bring in? Yada yada yada. Oh, shut up. How much money do they put into the NBA compared to the WNBA? Exactly. How much are they investing? How much are they marketing? Yeah. But please, how much fucking money is Mike Connolly bringing into the NBA that he like? Yeah, right. Right. I have a feeling shit into the NBA. If anything, he's a drain on the NBA because all his fucking injuries. And the fact that he hasn't won a championship. Regrets and having won championship. Right. So, you know, you want to talk about someone who, who isn't bringing anything to the game? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike Connolly, that you have to be this one in this period of time. But if you want to do apple to apple, let's look at it. You're not bringing nope. anything either. So why are you getting paid all this money? Exactly. That's true. That's it, it, just, you know, call it the way it is. But... Karen, to your point, I do think that maybe that's the conversation that should be had with this stupid horse game. <laughs> horse yeah. shit. Yeah, especially if Allie takes it. I mean, she upsets uh, CP3. <laughs> Come on. I. Yep. Yeah. I think it's a stupid game, but I'm glad that these conversations are happening. Yeah. And, uh, you know. You know what's crazy? There's an article I read that mentioned that Giannis said he couldn't participate because he doesn't have a court or a hoop. Giannis. <laughs> okay. I think they could find him one. At home. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he lives in an apartment. I, you know what? Fuck him too. I'm not going to be like, whoa is Giannis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apartment. Oh no, I cannot run the, 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 run the fucking Walmart and buy a cheap ass hoop, man. Like, come Seriously. on. Seriously, no. You're making a hell of a lot more than I am, <laughs> and you have space for a goddamn hoop. I don't even have a backyard. I gotta go out my stoop for some fucking fresh air every oh, once same. in a while. Oh, I gotta just open the door, and I bought a net from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a stupid excuse. <laughs> you don't want to do it. I know. Tell me I don't. You Can don't you blame it. him though? I wouldn't want to do it. I'd be pulling out every. No, I bet Jonas was lying. He's got a full full court, but he yeah. just was like, "Oh, I don't have one." <laughs> <laughs> basketball? What's basketball? Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, he's like boo boo from like you know, from the middle of the country somewhere. I know basketball. <laughs> Please. Basketball? What is basketball? The, the, the basketball. Please. Give me a break. He's got like two other brothers oh. that play basketball. They don't have a court. Wait, isn't... Aren't there five of nope. them? Maybe. Yeah, girl. There's a... They're, they're a whole... They're a whole team. They're a whole Jackson 5 band. A whole lot of... anti Koopas. <laughs> that family plaque, you know, the ones where everyone get their last names. <laughs> and the Kapuka, Kapuka. Girl, please, you know he's going to court my ass. Well, <laughs> horse is stupid. 
So let's see. What do we? Anything else on this topic before we move on? We have a couple no, more. No, no more. Air Don't do it again. Topic. Don't do it again. That is the the gist of this. Don't. Do it, it should again. just be called horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. okay. So moving on. Uh, Shaq has a reality show. I watched it. I liked it. It's Aww. funny. Check it out. It's on. I TV. need to get my TNT login. Pretty good. You know, here's the thing with Shaq. Like, I find it really interesting that he, well, he calls himself a Renaissance man. So you got that. But for real, like, he's like invested in a lot of companies, and he decided he wanted to be a fucking DJ. Like, who? DJ like, Diesel. Yeah, he's a DJ, and they talk about, after they talk about, like, his first set, and they're like, okay, so he'd be able to go past an hour? Like, his sets, you know, these sets have to be really long yeah. when you do the DJ thing. Um, and, all, and it's also interesting because they do talk about his uh, being in shape. You know, he had to go back to the gym. And so I think there is, I mean, I only saw the first couple episodes, but there's definitely, like, some deeper look into, like, also the fact that, you know, he's raised by a single mom. Um, there, they, they, they featured a shoe, the shoe store where he gets his shoes. And apparently oh, shit. when he, he couldn't afford shoes and the man, yeah, gave, yeah the man gave him shoes. And so now that will go in there and spend over $6,000 just for, yeah, just, just for with, him. with him, you know, so be nice to have that kind of dough. He ta- well, he talks about like how this man gave him a chance, you know, it was like, Hey, you know what? Just. I, I will help you. I know you can't pay for the shoes. And so he gives back to those that, you know, paid it forward in a way. So it's interesting to see that. Um, so yeah, it's not all goofy, although for the most part it is, but it's just interesting to see, like, I think we talked about, we talked to um, Kia, uh, the career coach in the episodes back yep. about how athletes nowadays, like, how are they going to transition when they can mm-hmm. no longer play? You know, and as we see from these IG lives, a lot of these people can't necessarily transition very easily into being no. just oh, like, baby, stop, get off of the <laughs> no. Boo-boo, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, boo-boo. You need to not. You're not it. I'm just going to tell you right now. Not, not it. Not it. Not it. So it's interesting, you know, how they're, how you're going to re, you know, reshape yourself out of this, from this athletic, um, field to then being are you gonna be an entertainer are you gonna be mm-hmm. a producer and he has a shit ton of kids so all of them are gonna you know he has to pay for them <laughs> so. did you see um did you see the video that shirt one of his sons sharif posted i don't, I don't know if it's an old one or if it's recent or whatever but he posted a like a tiktok or something on Shaq's boat and he's like my dad bought a boat and he named it free throw so it <laughs> Because it wouldn't sink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. That's funny. So good. That's funny. Right? You know, him and his family on TikTok are pretty funny. They're, they have some good yeah. things going on. So anyways, if you're interested, Shaq Life, check it out, TNT. I love I Shaq. Need, need something to watch. They're very quick, half hour shows. So go check it out. Um, let's see. Um, this uh, a, uh, the Sundays the MG docu series on on I believe it's on ESPN, um, and mm-hmm. I think it's like ten parts, right? Like ten, a- yeah, ten part series. But it's going to be yeah. two episodes per week, so it's only for five weeks. Okay. Well, it's called the Last Dance. 
Um, I believe that's what Phil Jackson called the um, playbook or whatever it's called, Last Dance. That's where that comes from. So that'll be interesting. And we have people that want to also come on to the podcast and talk about it. So maybe Ooh. we'll do like a whole like little series. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were some other things I, I read somewhere where, uh, someone, Shaq wanted to pay $10,000 to like some new guy on the Lakers to get in a fight with Kobe. I like, read that really quick. I didn't, I didn't see the whole thing. <laughs> but I saw like, he wanted to pay $10,000 to see if we could 10K to fight Kobe. Um, that's some like Nancy Kerrigan type shit right oh, yeah. like go bust them up shit. <laughs> yeah yeah because i'll take you the player was um isaiah Ryder, and he'd like he's like straight up was like i'm two you know games or two uh practices in and shaq is like i'm gonna give you ten thousand dollars in in dollar bills if you go and fight Kobe and practice. <laughs> Why, do you use it for the strip club later? Oh my God. <laughs> so he oh, told man. this um, uh, in the All the Smoke episode with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. So that's actually kind of funny. It's kind of like some, some tea was spilled with that. Um, so Shaq always, you know, in it, in it to win it. Um, but that's it, that's it for, the updates on this karen you have a timeout you know? uh, i mean like i said like kindle said we don't need to give these fucking trolls any more airtime. but we already we already roasted their ass earlier so that was my quick timeout basically timeout to trolls let's put it that way my timeout is i got a timeout on their couch kindle has a timeout uh timeout time not to bring the mood down but uh carl anthony town's oh. mom passed away oh. from coronavirus Shoot. Yeah. Um, so here's your timeout. Take this shit seriously. Yep. Wash your hands. Yes. Use your Purell or antibacterial whatever. Yes. And stay inside because yeah. whatever the bozo in chief is telling you and telling us, he's out for himself. Take care of you. Take care of your friends. Take care of your neighbors. Yeah. Stay inside because this shit is actually very very serious. Super. And very real and I know that his mom is obviously not you know the some famous person or whatever like isn't the first person to pass from this but um it's still really sad and really sucks so stay inside yeah I second that good one stay inside stay inside wash your hands social distancing you know what's right don't act like you don't know what's right and don't I act like even go right. out there and be not nervous man just trying to go grocery shopping i see a line of 10 people i'm, I'm done i'll starve that's serious yeah it's gonna take yeah. a while wear a mask yeah take I, short walks and if I, you go out stay away from people i honestly think that what is not registering is this is gonna this is a long haul situation and it's not gonna be a short-term fix so nope. let's waves too that. no it's, no band-aid for this you gotta you gotta we just gotta go through it we gotta get through it it's the only way forward is through it so let's come through but, 
Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, is, we have to realize that we all have the easy part of all of this just by staying oh, yeah. inside and watching movies and playing games and doing yeah. whatever, you drinking. Hospitals. Like, that's the easy part. Like, stop whining and complaining. Everything will be back to normal once everybody starts doing what they're told to do. True. And then True. you can be at, at brunch and bars and games and whatever. But this is the easy part. There are a lot of people out there that have it way worse. Yeah. Yep. True. It will be all the much sweeter when we can go back to a life of being with our friends and family mm-hmm. and enjoying the events that we're used to, especially sports being one of them. Well, guys, sports. that's it. That's it. We're, we are at the end of the episode. We want to thank Emily again, Emily Nelson. Uh, she yeah. is our um instagram she has instagram she has uh twitter i will put her links for her uh her website what have you so you can check out and hopefully she'll come back and tell us more about her dissertation um as always you know make sure you subscribe and review us and apple podcast and spotify and follow us or and dm us on our social handles twitter and instagram at the hoops talking um we will keep doing these episodes we're finding a lot of uh solace it being together on zoom and continuing this habit of podcast so please make sure you reach out to us we're here and uh, we want to hear from you so other than that karen i guess the only thing is how we want to keep it <laughs> sweaty <laughs> and- 